0: From Cleveland, Ohio, this is the Cleveland Stage Podcast with your hosts, Tyler Whitten and Ian Wolfgang Hins.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Cleveland Stage Podcast. <laughs> I'm your co-host, Tyler Whitten, along with my co-host, Ian Hins. And this week we're discussing some of the more goings on in Cleveland's theater, uh, including The Hairy Ape, which you're directing, opening in two weeks. Yep, November Uh, 17th. Our partnership with The Karamu, uh, which we're doing Rajiv Joseph's. The
0: Lake Effect, yeah, that op- that uh, previews tomorrow, November uh, 2nd, and then uh, November 3rd is officially opening night, and that runs through the 26th, yeah.
1: And that is directed by Celeste Cosentino. Our
0: artistic director, it's a collaboration with Karamu House, uh, you know, Karamu House is the oldest African-American theater in the country. Wow. Yeah, it's got a right lot right of here in history. in Cleveland. It's got a lot of history there, it's kind of a homecoming for Celeste, she really grew up there as a kid, uh, her mom was, a, was the interim artistic director for, for a little while, and worked there for a number of years, and... So, so it's really a co- homecoming for her and, and also for Walter Boswell, our set designer, who worked there, I think you said, back in 1973 or sure. 1974.
1: So, Sure, Walter um, goes way back.
0: Yeah, so it's it's a homecoming for them, and it's a collaboration for us and, and the current Karamu regime, which has just been really great. They've, they've been uh, really awesome to work with, and so so we'll talk a little bit about that coming up. But you first, let's start off with, you saw Theater ninjas. I did.
1: I went to go see the Theater Ninjas. Uh, they put on their show, Who We Used To Be, uh, and it was a great show. What a great show. Great space. I don't know if you've been in their new space. You I know. haven't.
0: I haven't had a chance to see the, the what they call it, the Ninja Headquarters, I think. Uh, yeah, something it? like that.
1: Yeah. You know, they were, as they put it, a no-man theater group for a long time. They, yeah. This is their 11th season, I believe. Uh, they're in the midst of a $75,000 capital campaign, and they have reached halfway there since May, which is great. Great yeah. for them. yeah. Uh, you know, and it's a storefront right in a great neighborhood, an up-and-coming neighborhood, which in Cleveland terms means it used to be a really great neighborhood and then was bad. And now they're, they're investing back into it again. Sure. But, uh, it's over right? on Detroit, right? So yeah, I think it's like 5400 in Detroit. Yeah. Um, and it's a great space. It's a small space, really intimate. Uh, I think they used it really, really well. The performers were awesome. According to the play, or at least uh, what they had discussed during the play, you know, they do real immersive theater. Sure. Uh, so the audience was, were part of it. We had, they had a map of Cleveland. And you the first thing you do is you mark where you're from or where you're living with a magnet. Mm-hmm. And then they break you off in groups. Uh, and then you discuss some of your mem- memories of Cleveland and then you, you kind of divide the city, whatever. It's sort of a conglomeration of making taking the old and making it new hmm. uh, so a lot of really great interesting things that they did uh, the cast was wonderful uh, you know I think Jeremy's doing great work there
0: yeah Jeremy Paul yeah. the artistic director mm-hmm. directed the
1: show he devised devised it devised yeah, the show it and was also in it, it, in it he's in it yeah, yeah. Uh, and they did a, they did a really great job I think they're running for one more weekend so if you get a chance to go see Theater Ninja's uh, you know, you should go do that. They're, they're doing a unique brand of theater here in Cleveland. And again, it's in a great neighborhood. It's in that right by that Gordon square, which is on the West side. Great. I know that's too far away for the uh, East siders to well, get over. To.
0: It's hard to get over there. Cause they closed the bridge at midnight. They at do. least that's what that's they've right. been telling me. I don't know <laughs> if that's true or not. Well, I was there on a Monday,
1: so it may have closed down even earlier than that. And it did seem like there was an awful lot of people from the West side, which for me working on ensemble, you don't get that very often in that's, theater. That's true. That's yeah. true. Did you get a chance to say hi to Jeremy? I you know, know? Uh, I don't know them all personally i didn't want to like interject and just sort of thrust myself sure uh, but i think he'd be a great guest on here so yeah, jeremy if you're listening let's let's book you man
0: yeah for sure reach out to us or we'll reach out to you
1: yeah uh so that was great so theater ninjas.com i think is the website yeah uh so visit them one more weekend and uh you know great Awesome. So let's talk about The Lake Effect. Yeah. Which is uh,
0: this this collaboration with Caramu House. And it's going really well. I actually had the chance to go um, to go watch one of the dress rehearsals yesterday.
1: And this is the Rajiv Joseph play.
0: Rajiv Joseph wrote The Lake Effect. And I believe, ah, geez, I can't remember when it premiered. But uh, Celeste and I were fortunate enough to actually see the premiere in Chicago, the world yeah. premiere in Chicago at Silk Road Rising Theater. Sure. Um, they focus on a kind of uh, – uh, southeast asian theater is kind of their um it's kind of their focus uh and so Rajiv wrote this play and it's about uh an indian family um in in on the west side of cleveland in lakewood and one of one of the uh members of the community an african-american guy uh, befriend has befriended their father and it's kind of about the relationships and one of the 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 sun has gone off, and he's worked on Wall Street. And I, this was written around 2008, 2009 during the crash mm. on Wall Street. So there's a lot of themes in there too about um, being unemployed, and, and, and money is a big uh, is a big theme that's running through this, and immigration, and what it means to be an immigrant, and what it means to be first generation and second generation, mm. and how and how um, we all treat each other, you know, because of of money that's involved, and what's really important. Uh, you
1: know, is it more important to spend the time with the people that we love? So it's there are a lot of really wonderful themes in this play. I mean, it's a Rajiv Joseph play, so I, I haven't read it or seen it, of course, but I imagine uh, it has these uh, topical themes, but also has a lot of humor.
0: Yeah, it's very funny. There are very funny moments, and it's it is it's a lot like you know most of his writing in that it it deals with um, family, it deals with. Um, Maybe the the concept of of another power, a higher power. Is there a higher power? What is that? Maybe hmm. how do these? How do we find ourselves in these situations that, you know, are appearing to be random? Maybe yeah. are they really random? Are they not random? It doesn't matter anyway. You know, maybe it's the fact that we're just in those moments that that are important. And this one deals specifically with uh, brothers and sisters and fathers, and how we maybe. Um, cope with tragedy mm-hmm. in our life how we deal with people uh, passing on um, so you know it's it's a really uh, it's a really interesting uh, look at it and one of the things I think that's great about it is and we've talked about this on on your other podcast Tyler which we can uh, plug now
1: it's Don't Talk to Strangers the podcast we I invite my friends over for booze and Apply them with questions about the interesting things they do with their lives. Also
0: on iTunes, available like,
1: on iTunes yeah. and wherever you get your p- favorite podcasts. Yeah, your. It pod- might not be true. I think it might just be available on <laughs> iTunes. On iTunes.
0: Uh, Yeah. So, so, but we've talked about this before, in that uh, you know, there's windows and and doors, right? Mm. And and uh, how you get into different plays, and and this one is a is a play about Cleveland. So yeah. for us, it's a play about ourselves. And, and I think that's really, really cool. Whereas The Hairy Ape is really m- more of a play about looking at symbols or other things. This yeah, I mean, I think really... you
1: can make the argument that the hair – I mean, we so t- to bring everybody up to speed on this conversation, it's, you know, a lot of people consider theater to be – theater should be a mirror, mirror wherein you're able to see or yourself. A dwarf. Or, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wherein you're – it's only if it's a farce. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but you know, theater there are those who say theater should be a mirror where you can see yourselves on stage, right? And I argue that, okay, that's fine, but it can also be a window wherein you're yeah. looking at other cultures, other stories that you wouldn't normally see within your community. And I think that's important. And you know, reading Rajiv plays, he's a Cleveland player, right? Born yeah. and raised here. Uh, of course, he's made his name uh, in, in New York and you know yeah. national theater yeah. markets. But, you know, and this play is is multicultural, the yeah. the lake effect. Yeah. And, and I think this is a little bit of both, right? I mean, yeah. it's a mirror of Cleveland yeah. and it's a window into these cultures that I don't think get enough stage time. And then bringing that bringing that to the hairy ape, you know, I think it's also a mirror. I mean, we've discussed this here on this podcast and elsewhere where the hairy ape could just as, I mean, it could be set in the Cleveland steel mill. Yeah. just as easily as it's set in a steamship.
0: Yeah, it's true. It's true, and I and I think it is. I think you b- do bring up a really interesting point in that it is this Indian, uh, you know, culture mm-hmm. and African American culture in Cleveland mm-hmm. and how they interact, and that's to me really interesting. I I don't know that that's ever been yeah <laughs> put on stage as far and as especially something... for Cleveland. I yeah, mean, in
1: Cleveland, in Cleveland, and somebody who grew up here, you know, we get a lot of uh, we're we're well known for being. A lar- having a large Eastern European population, right? Yeah. Ukrainian, yeah. Uh, Lithuanian, uh, and those Russian blocks, and what have you, and Irish, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we also have one of the top five largest Muslim populations yeah. in the country. We yeah. uh, you know we have a large African American population uh, in this city, and I a think large the- Indian population, and a large too. Indian population. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and I think that they're growing. So the diversity of Cleveland is growing, and not in, you not not coincidentally, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so is Cleveland, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, with, with the uh, emergence of these cultures and the growth of these, these subcultures in Cleveland, Cleveland as a city as a whole is growing, both yeah. nationally and, and within our borders. So I think this play offers uh, a unique and important perspective on yeah. the city of Cleveland.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's uh, about 90 minutes. It's a one act. It's one of rajesh's one acts, and it's a really enjoyable evening of theater. Uh, it's in the it's in the new concert hall. They've refurbished the concert hall down at Caramuun. While they're fixing um, their their larger theaters, they have uh, two theaters there that they're completely refurbishing. And so they set up a theater in the concert hall, not unlike kind of what we've done at Ensemble in the mm-hmm. playground space. Uh, and so this is that first show in that. So it's it's been interesting to work on that. I did the sound for the show and and some of the other effects. Uh, for the show, but, um, it's been really great to, to kind of collaborate with another theater and see how things work. It's been a nice. So you
1: have like an inside, uh, track on how that happened. Why don't you talk a little bit about how this partnership got started and what it means (coughs) uh, in the future?
0: Sure. Well, I mean, we, we go, we go way back with Karamu as far as just, we've, we work with a lot of the similar actors. I mean, Ensemble was really founded out of Karamu. Mm. Um, you know, with Lucia coming from there and, and really working with Ruben and Dorothy Silver at Caramu, And that's kind of where she got her, her, her grounding in theater in a lot of ways. And, uh, um, and so, you know, we've always had a great relationship with them. And then this year, Tony Size who took over the uh, CEO position at Karamu recently, you know, has been reaching out to other theaters to, to form those relationships and build those relationships again. And, and as often I think you know theaters get in these in these patterns right where they expand and they and they contract I think it's mm. they're breathing living things and I think that you know Karen would probably contracted about as far as it could have uh, as far as being a you know an organization that uh, was self-sustaining on itself and I think they're they're starting to reach out and and collaborate with other organizations and I think ensemble in a lot of ways is similar too I think we're in that same kind of expansion mode of trying to to reach out with and work with other organizations and other institutions. Sure. Um, And I think it was, it was a, it made a lot of sense. And so, you know, I I think Tony uh, reached out to Celeste and Celeste said, Hey, you know, we got this, I have this great play that we saw that takes place in Cleveland. It's by Rajiv who we've, you know, ensembles produced a lot of Rajiv's work. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know that he's actually had any shows produced uh, outside of, you know, any of the premieres produced outside of Ensemble, so this is really one of, it's a chance for Rajiv's work to see a new audience, too, in the Karamu audience, which yes, is right. really great, so we're able to take a lot of the artistic stuff we do here and work with them, and they're able to help by taking a lot of the artistic things that they do there and, and work with us, and it's been a really great collaboration uh, so far, and I think, um, you know, I think there'll be more more in the future, because I think it's uh, it's important, like we talked about briefly at the top, you know, Walter Boswell had been there in the 70s, you know, and yeah. and is now has a chance to go back. I was talking to him uh, last night at, at a Halloween party that we went to, and he said, you know, it feels like I'm haunting my own life. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I look at something on the wall, and he says, I put that there in 1974. <laughs> and so, you know, some ghosts never die. You know, and that's and that's what's great about it. I mean, I think it gives people it's given him that opportunity to go back and people should have those opportunities to go back at the end of a long career like his and, and feel that um feel that that meant something. Yeah. You know that that passion is still in those places that that they were when when you know they started
1: out. Great. Right. And that again opens Friday, November third at Caramel.
0: Yeah, and we'll and we'll get together with Celeste and and Tony and, and uh Nathan and some of the, the actors and we'll have a we'll have a podcast just on that on that play. But yeah, we'll we're uh preview tomorrow. Uh it, it's Thursday the second and a uh and that preview's at seven thirty and then Fridays and Saturday is at 7.30, so the official opening is at the 3rd, and then their Sunday shows are at 3 o'clock. And you can get tickets by calling their box office at Karamu, 216-795-7077, or go to their website, caramuhouse.org. that's K-A-R-A-M-U-H-O-U-S-E.org. So, there you go. Get your tickets, they're going to go fast. I think there's only 60, 60 seats in the, in the refurbished space, so get them they're gonna go fast
1: that's a great size for this play it's perfect
0: it's intimate it's you know you're gonna laugh you're gonna have a good
1: time that's great so uh and you know speaking of walter who is a legendary cleveland scenic designer set designer Mm -hmm. you know i don't know the nomenclature because i'm just a playwright nobody cares (laughs) but uh you know he designed the uh set for harry ape
0: he did and it's been great working with walter this is really you know i've worked with walter in the capacity of a production manager before but this is the first time i've actually had the opportunity. well I, he he did work on uh jerusalem with me so i take okay. that back he, he did really come in and, and really save that that show design <laughs> at, at the last minute but you know mostly i've worked with him as a as a production manager so is it working with him as a as a director has been really great you know i think um it's been great to talk to him about it he has a lot of experience with it he brings a lot of context which you know all designers should really to mm-hmm. the to, to these kind of shows and And he's familiar with Eugene O'Neill and and he's familiar with that story because he worked with Lucia so many Mm. years and he was kind of here at the beginning of Ensemble too, you know, and doing all of those shows, all the O'Neill shows that that Lucia did. So, and the Hairy Ape is really, I think, one of of my favorite O'Neill plays, or at least it's become one of my favorite O'Neill (laughs) plays. Sure, while you're working on it. (laughs) And it's actually, actually, you know, I was doing some research and it was actually one of the plays that O'Neill liked the best oh yeah and i was doing some research and there's a quote that he he had i think it was like in the new york post or something where he said you know that's one of my favorite plays because it's one of the plays that people understand the least (laughs) which yeah it's a typical artist statement right it's it's, it's a poet's statement i remember doing a i remember doing a play uh by reynolds price called full moon that Leisha columbia directed me in and i was a young actor and um, wasn't very good, but I tried. Oh come on, you I, were great. I, I tried, no, it was I was bad. Um but there's always a line that stuck with me in that and they they were talking about poetry and one of the characters says, you know, poetry is saying everything that you mean so nobody can understand it. <laughs> which which is <laughs> fair. Which sometimes feels like Eugene O'Neill, right? But yeah. it by the end by the end of it I think we uh get it we get it hashed out and, and the audience really has a um a memorable moving experience and we're right in the middle of it. So yeah. we're smack dab in the middle of it. We've had some really great rehearsals. Um, you know, we're still learning about the play. We're still teasing out some of the language because it really is like a, another language for the actors. Once they get into it as an audience member, I feel like it doesn't feel that way. Once you come, it, it feels like your standard American speech, yeah. but, but from uh, an actor's uh, it's so there's, it's so intricate. And so there's so much rhythm to it. And there's so much depth to it that, uh, I mean, it really
1: is poetic language. It is.
0: It's it's heightened poetic language that should be spoken like it's not heightened poetic right, yeah. language. You know, it's 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 a it's a true challenge, especially this play where the protagonist is somebody, Yank, um, who is you know this coal stoker, a fireman is what they call him on these uh, on this like, for lack of a better term, think of of. Uh, Titanic, right? These steamships. The ships. first ones who died. Yeah, well, yeah. Think of these <laughs> steamships. Yeah, but, I mean, think of these yeah, steamships. Yeah. And, and at that time, this was the height of that industrial uh, – of the industrial world was getting these steamships that just moved. Mm-hmm. And in this play, he talks about 25 knots an hour. The Titanic went about 23 knots an hour, and that was one of the fastest steamships ever. So he's really talking about yeah. you know moving this thing, and he's the thing that makes it move, and he's the thing that you know drives this new world that's there. And that's and that's kind of offset by this older gentleman, Patty, who, at the beginning of this play, says he's crazy and that you know what what he missed was the ships and the and the sailing and being out on the deck and the sun and the wind and all of the natural world and it has man separated itself from that. You know.
1: You know what I really appreciate about Yank, uh, in this play, and I think this is what a lot of Clevelanders will be able to grasp onto is uh, this idea that at the beginning of the play. He knows who he is, yeah. and he's proud of it. Yep. Right? As far as he's concerned, he is the rock in which civilization is built on. Yeah. Uh, you know until he has this existential moment <laughs> yeah where he has to re-examine that yeah. uh, but I think you know that first third of the play when it's all him telling everybody you know there's a there's a large sense yeah. of pride there and I think that's something that a lot of Clevelanders can can relate to. yeah I told him had told him in rehearsal a couple of days ago when I mean, we
0: were working on the first couple scenes where they're all in the forecastle mm-hmm. which is their their quarters essentially and they're kind of really s- crammed in there, right. you know, as is, is a lot of people were in and that worked in steel mills and that lived in, you know, small flats, yeah. cold water flats or whatever. But I said, you know, these guys are like it was like back in the 80s, you know, in the dog pound, yeah. the Cleveland Browns when the Browns were good and they won games. You know, it was it was <laughs> like that. Long ago. Those guys of the dog pound, right? Yeah. The guys that you think of the lunch pail guys that had that were into to work in the mills and that went to work, mm-hmm. you know, building things and that's what they did on Sundays. They went out there and they loved it. They loved being in the in the snow because it was hard, like their job was hard and they took pride in being tough. Yeah. You know, these guys take pride in being tough yeah. and hard. Um, and it's really the change that comes comes about when kind of the upper class kind of takes that away a little bit from them, that pride away. And he's in search of really who he is and where he belongs and not unlike Cleveland, right? Yeah. We all are in search of, an, of identity and and who are we and, and what does that mean? Um, and, you know, there's, there's more we're going to certainly find, I think as is the, as the play goes on. But, um, you know, I think that's really a very powerful, uh, it, they call it a comedy. Because O'Neill uh, did kind of base it on a little bit, you know, it's it's it's, um, it's uh, expressionistic, sure. and so expressionism really, in a lot of ways, came out of the a basic eight scene format, which was based on the Stations of the Cross mm-hmm. of um, of religious drama, which which I found to be interesting. And you see that there were originally there were originally I think eight eight stations, seven eight stations, and they've of course added. I think it's up to fourteen now, yeah. but. Um, so there you see a lot of that and, and Yank can also the, the play can also be viewed through that lens of Yank as somebody that that represents this uh, symbol of, of the working man and how that working man is essentially crucified on a cross of, of iron or steel and um, it, it can be seen as a is as a, as a tragedy but what Dante would have called uh, a comedy yeah. right and it's and it's part of the reason they call it a comedy is because it is in that low, you know, it's in that low, um, the Vulgate, for lack of a better term, that that low language. The, you know, it wasn't it wasn't written in, for example, when Dante wrote the Inferno, he wrote it in Italian as opposed to writing it in Latin, and mm-hmm. so it was called a comedy or the Commedia because it was for this this lower, uh, this lower. It's echelon. For the people in the pits, man. Yeah, this lower echelon of, of society. So um, that's who Shakespeare was writing for. Yeah, exactly. And and that's in that well, yeah, he he. You know he has, I mean, a other lot than the commissions he was getting from the yeah, kings. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he has a lot of class too, and you know yeah. a lot of a lot of that class in, in his plays as well. And but I think that's it's mirrored here mm-hmm. in in the Hairy Ape and that it is about this guy and this working class guy, and, and it's uh, but it's it's really beautiful language. The it's really poetic, and I can see why O'Neill, O'Neill really likes this play. And it, it, and we've talked in other podcasts, it, he he likes it so much that it really becomes echoes. Uh, later on in a lot of his other works yeah. specifically Iceman Cometh in a lot of ways I feel like I'm haunting myself <laughs> in this in this play because it it um boy I just hear echoes the, the language the same you know pu- there's like you know puffing on the pipe of the past right. you know and and the whole pipe dream theme and, and Iceman and, and and it's it's just uh it's really kind of it's really kind of spooky how – and the voices are the same, right? Yeah. You know, in Iceman, you had all those voices from all of these different places around the world because this was the – these were the people that were working on these ships. And you have the same thing in the Harry Ape. It's these people that are from around around the globe that are really traveling, you know, intercontinentally, mm-hmm. but they're poor. It's these poor people that are just oh, – so. it's this it's – a, it's a really – it's a great cultural um, – cultural experience, and really the kind of plays that I like to work on the most. Yeah. I think
1: we're all looking forward to seeing it. We'll see. And that opens. It's <laughs> <laughs> opening November 17th. We came for to you today, live from the Playground Theater here that's at Ensemble right. Theater, where Scheherazade's the Caucas- uh, their production of the Caucasian Chalk Circles going right. on, which I was able to see this past Sunday. Yeah, a lot of great performances. I think they did a really great job. Uh, two more weekends.
0: Yeah, two more weekends. So it goes uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday for two more weekends. And uh, Christine Howie, uh, the scene I think wrote a really nice online today. Yeah. Uh, review of it, and I and I think that uh, you know what Chairs Out has done, and and. Uh, they've really, you know, it's not easy starting theater. They couldn't do it without us. <laughs> they couldn't do it without <laughs> us, but they could. I mean, and they did, and yeah. they should really be proud of. all I meant us, are...
1: the Cleveland Stage Podcast.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, they were some of our first guests. I, all those people from Guam in the audience that night. I was. We like, had so many ticket guy? reservations from Guam. I was yeah. like, all right. We'll They're get like, you when out are you guys torn to
1: Guam? <laughs> Whenever you we pay sh- for it, you should
0: go. But but come and see that show because it's man, they've really done a great job, and and I think it's just it's so much hard work putting up that that kind of a, of a show, you know, they didn't really, they, they really, they, they grabbed a monster for their first one. So, you know.
1: All right. Well, coming to you live from the playground theater at ensemble,
0: I'm Tyler. And I'm Ian. And remember all the world's a stage.
1: Just get everybody on it.
0: And there we go. (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening (laughs) to the Cleveland
1: stage podcast. Please be sure to subscribe and rate the show and tell all your friends. And we'll see you next time. On the Cleveland Stage Podcast. This is where you do the stage thing. With your co-host, Ian Hens. No, I mean the – forget it. (laughs) (laughs) Suck at this.